Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. We are both beat writers for the Wolverines over at 247sports.com, themichiganinsider.com. We write a lot more than we podcast, so check it out there. Uh, lots. Busy week for Michigan sports. Uh, Michigan basketball will host North Carolina Wednesday night, late night game. Uh, check out plenty of pregame coverage if you're listening Tuesday or Wednesday morning, or postgame coverage if you're listening on a different day. Should be good. Not sure if we're going to have time to talk about that, though, because Michigan football had its biggest game of the season, and it was uh, it completely blew up in their face. They faced Ohio State down in Columbus. Everything on the line. They entered as the number four team in the country. They were in the driver's seat in the Big Ten. And they fell apart, losing 62-39. to And frankly, that score was closer than the game was. Uh, you know, the first half was back and forth. We'll talk about a little bit about what went wrong and all that. But first half was a little bit back and forth. They entered halftime down five. Uh, and, and, you know, with, with some things to feel good about. And then in the third quarter, they get outscored 17-0, which you can do the math there. Puts you down twenty-two to not, or twenty-two points, and it just kind of it, it snowballed from there. It was the second most points Michigan has ever allowed in 139 years of Michigan football, most in regulation. It was the second most points or yards per play allowed in the history of Michigan football, eight point five. It was the fourth most total yards allowed, five hundred sixty-seven, which I think is almost a testament to. Michigan's defensive success that they've uh, really never given up more than 500 yards. I mean, there are some teams in the country that average 500 yards. So anyway, though, completely, I mean, they entered the, you know, leading the nation in a bajillion defensive categories. They still lead in a couple. And it, and it's it's one of those things you can discredit the 10 wins as much as you want, but it's still 10 wins. They're still going to New Year's Six Bowl. We'll talk about that. But Steve, let's start. We'll do little picture, big picture, and then moving forward. Uh, I am still struggling to totally understand, you know, because Ohio State, we knew they're athletic. We knew that the defense and and Michigan's defense and offense, there were some things they've done all year that were not going to work. You know, man coverage was going to be tougher on defense. You know, some of the some of the run runs and the the passing plays Michigan runs uh, weren't going to work. You know, it's not they didn't trust Shea Patterson to roll out as much as he normally does. So. There were some things that you knew were going to be different, and and that's why I think everyone predicted it to be a closer game than maybe the statistics would suggest. But I am still sort of struggling to understand what what happened to let this game turn into really, I mean, you know, context situation dependent, one of the most embarrassing losses Michigan's ever had. You know, if you think about the modern era of college football and everyone cares, the how good Michigan was for how long. You know, it's not like they were some fluke team that was overranked like last year against Penn State. You know, it's not like it was or, or or Appalachian State. It's not like it was a bad Michigan team like when Michigan lost to Toledo or when they lost to Rutgers in 2014. It, you know, it's it was a good team that did everything right, that had done well all season, and it was just an embarrassment. For, for the Wolverines? Uh, I think it's the most egg-on-your-face game, maybe, that mm-hmm. Michigan's ever had, you yeah. know, as far as 
everyone can kind of point and laugh at Michigan again for not doing <laughs> what, you know, I think most people anticipated they'd be able to do uh, with as impressive as they had looked throughout the year. Um, uh, you know, I haven't written much about it. It's like, cause it is, it's like, I, I'm more of a, I, I you want to know what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's just, there was, there's so many layers to what happened. Uh, to me, I mean, you know, you get into the actual game. I, I don't think it's as complicated as people make it out to be. There's no doubt that Ohio State's offensive line absolutely won this football game. Uh, zero doubt about that in my mind. I think not one sack far, they allowed. Not e- I mean, how many pressures even? Yeah, probably like Mich- three or four. Mich- yeah, <laughs> Michigan's defensive line, and you know, I, they laid a complete egg in this game. And the the thing is, like, Ohio State and Michigan have played at like different times of the day almost all season. So if you know anybody who's wanted to has had the opportunity to, they've gotten to watch Ohio State a lot this year. Mm-hmm. I've been one of those people. I've watched Ohio State a ton this year. Inexplicable to me how little Michigan was able to get in Haskins' face. I know they ran a lot of uh, quick stuff, you know, but that that was well, some of their stuff though was long stuff. I mean, there were times yes, several right, seconds, right. yeah, and uh, just unexplainable to me, to be honest with you, based on what I'd seen out of Ohio State all year. Now you expected Ohio state to come out and play their best game. I think we talked about that at length last week. That's and I, why we not, didn't pick a multi, you know, double digit win for Michigan. I mean, and it would, it would have been hard to pick that no matter what, even with Ohio state looking the way they had like that, just, you knew that they were going to rally. Uh, you knew that Michigan would be favored in this game. And that Meyer is, is, has been awesome his entire career in, in the underdog role. Uh, but I just, I, I just, can't wrap my finger around how poorly Michigan played up front. And it, and it just, it did it completely, you know, and I know Brandon Watson had a tough game. I know Devin Gill had a tough game. Those are two guys that Ohio state picked on constantly defensively, but it's as much due to Haskins having all day to throw the football than anything. The one thing watching Ohio state is Haskins is a completely different player when there's anything in his face, still a great quarterback, but not a guy who can make plays in a disrupted pocket at all. And, and he never had to deal with that at, at any point throughout the football game. And it just, and it completely killed Michigan's op, any opportunity Michigan had mm-hmm. to win the football game. And by the time, you know, adjustments or no adjustments by the time Michigan may, would have even been able to adjust. Ohio state had so many things working right that I think Michigan's defense is just, their head was just spinning and then they just really had no shot to slow well, them down. And, and, and by um, the time that game, I think of like that third quarter, cause to me, that's when everything fell apart for Michigan by the time, cause you can't blame the punt return punt block touchdown on, on the defense. And you can't, Really blame the short field interception defense in that third quarter, but then by the time they get to the fourth quarter, they're down by twenty points. They're missing Devin Bush. They're missing uh, David Long. Neither of them returned to the game. It's like I think there was. I mean, you know, the sixty-two points. You can, it, it is sixty-two points, and that's always going to be that way. But yeah, I think it was very much a all of a sudden the floor was gone, and they were just free falling at that point. Yeah, I mean, you got 
Campbell running free. I mean, you know, for that t- that touchdown immediately after Michigan had scored. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, and again, everyone talks about the offense needing to move into the 21st century or whatever. The game is still 1,000% won in the trenches, and Michigan got beat badly on both sides. Granted, I thought the offensive line did an adequate job. It was a lot better than it would have been the last six years. Absolutely, yeah. right? And you knew, uh, you know, that Michigan or that Ohio State was going to – the one other thing Ohio State did and, and at Michigan I felt like really, really – the one thing offensively, I guess, that bothered me was – and it you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of games against Michigan State in the past where Michigan State would basically tell their linebackers to just attack and not think. Mm-hmm. And and Michigan basically allowed Ohio State to be able to do that effectively, continuously. They did not force Ohio State's linebackers to consistently have to make decisions. Um, they were they were allowed to just fill the gaps, yeah, and and make plays. And you know I know the it, it got a lot of love on Twitter. He does a, an awesome job. The Space Coyote is a guy that he actually did some work for us when I ran the old Tremendous site because he's he's very good at the X's and O's, uh, you know, talked a lot about, you know, Michigan not did not use the RPO mm-hmm. hardly at all. Uh, they didn't, they didn't, I don't know if they did run one of jet sweep. They, they play action it a few times, but I don't know if they ever actually ran it. And that was what uh, worked extremely well for Maryland. And if I'm not mistaken, Purdue. Yeah. Maryland yeah. who ran for yeah. 300 yards in the first half against Ohio state seven days before Michigan met up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just there's fault on both sides of the ball, but I, I don't. You know, you could say what you want about the offense, but to me, I, I'm just Michigan's defensive line. I thought laid a, a total egg in this game, and I think that's really what cost them more than anything. If they'd have been able to get any pressure on Haskins at all, uh, I feel like the outcome of the game. I, I mean, I don't know. Could it yeah. have been different? It's but a, you, it, I don't want to say that they would have won the game, but it, they'd have given themselves a much 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 better shot of winning this game because Haskins is just a completely different player when he has nothing to worry about back there um Kenny Willekes ate Isaiah Prince took Isaiah Prince's lunch for three quarters against Michigan State and Michigan State was well within that uh had an opportunity multiple opportunities to win that football game and I don't think Michigan had one play on Saturday that resembled anything of what Willicus did uh, when those two teams played. And mind you that Michigan has two NFL players at defensive end. Well, probably more than that because Pay will be a pro eventually and so will Uche, I would assume. But they have two right now. And they, they, right. they had some – there was obviously some injuries that both of them were battling, but they're stronger, they're faster – and they're but better even, than Kelly Willickis. I mean, the Kelly Willickis was a was a walk on. You know, it's right. not like he was a superstar. Is, yeah, Willickis is the guy that you key on when you play Michigan State too, and he still was in Haskins' mug the entire football game. And Michigan got nothing even close to that, mm-hmm. and uh, just unexplainable to me, to be honest with you. Again, those guys at, at Ohio State, their offensive line, I don't think it was. It's not not bad. They're not terrible no we mentioned they, they were like top 20 in sacks allowed like it's not like right yeah but still oof. i mean but the, and they do run a lot of their the quick stuff you know and i think that helps those sack numbers a little bit but you know nothing 
not mm-hmm. zilch, you know, nothing up front. And it was just uh, just a really disappointing way for that unit to end the season. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, looking back, I mean, you know, because that's the only, I think the during the Indiana game, I think that was the only tweet that I had was, you know, that Michigan was not getting any pressure on Indiana. And, you know, when you're playing a team like Indiana, who I know has always given Michigan problems, but usually a team that they you can get by, uh, the question always is, you know, are they running vanilla schemes? Are they, you know, what are they doing? And, and looking back now, you know, you almost wonder if, if the, the signs were maybe there uh, that Michigan was going to struggle to rush the passer, you know. Well, in Michigan, they were, you know, those of you who read our stuff weekly, I had pointed this out in articles. They were outside the top 20 all season in sacks per game, which is one stat, one way to measure defensive line getting pressure, but they weren't outside the top 20 in previous years. You know, they were always up there with, with most sacks. They were not this year. And so, yeah, I I hear you. And, and, and I think you're right that that is the, probably the biggest focal point because of what they had done previously. You know, we talk about the past defense and, you know, ranked number one in basically every category. Well, how long are they supposed to be expected to, you know, cover these guys man-to-man right, right. with, with no pressure? That, we, we knew that. We knew that Haskins would get something on Saturday. I think we expected that. I mean, he was by far the best quarterback that Michigan had faced all year, mm-hmm. uh, throwing the football. And Ohio State definitely has athletes at receiver. That's you know that's something they've always had. But again, I look at, I mean, look at the last two seasons. You know, even in 2016, where I thought Ohio State had a much better offensive line than they do now, Michigan obliterated them up front. I mean, Michigan, that was one of the few games I can remember a team dominating the trenches as much as a team like Michigan did and still not winning the game. Although, again, you could argue they should have won the game. Um, you know, and, and and this was the polar opposite. I guess, you know, the thing I've always been saying about this rivalry is, you know, 2015, you know, Ohio State, immensely talented. I don't think anybody would have expected Michigan to win that football game. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I easily and still I know that's not going to change would argue in 16 and 17 I thought Michigan completely outcoached Ohio State yeah I think the difference was that Ohio State had the players and and this year I think the rosters talent wise are closer than they've ever been mm-hmm. and Michigan got completely outcoached by Ohio State they did um I it was really cannot wait to hear Don Brown meet with the media I, it was a complete very flip. curious yeah it was a complete flip uh from the past two years. And I think, I think that was why going into this game, I think, you know, I would have, I had predicted a Michigan win is because I felt that Michigan schematically again, had out schemed Ohio state the last two games. They had a, they had a, the best quarterback that Harbaugh's had. They had the best offensive line that Harbaugh's had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and their defense was again on paper, was a not a great matchup for Ohio State based on everything we'd seen, not just statistically, but on film. When you watch these two teams right. all year, um, and it all was com- got completely flipped upside down on its head. I mean, it just uh, again, it was always very, very well within the realm of possibility that Ohio State was going to win this football game. I think what's going to be tougher to swallow is just how they did it. Uh, there's just no way around that. You know, this is not a 
this is different than 16. Uh, it is definitely different than 17. You know, and I, I think this one in, in a in its own completely different way is is going to be tougher to swallow than. You know, the other you have everyone patting Michigan's defense on the back, and Ohio State comes out and completely embarrasses the unit, and and it yeah. basically <laughs> exposes them as a. I'm not going to say they're a fraud because I still think it's one of the better units in the country, but you could argue, you could also argue that they were not what we thought they were. Um, right. It's hard to argue otherwise, you well, know, based on what you saw. And so. I can already tell, you know, next. Well, I, I mean, it's already happened. I write, you know, stories about like breaking down where Michigan ranks statistically, and someone was like, "Who cares? They gave up 62 points to Ohio State." And and you know what? I don't have a counter argument to that. I mean, it's, no, I agree. You know, I they agree. won 10 games. That's good. They they're going to be in a New Year's Six bowl. That's good. I think if you had looked at the beginning of the season and said Michigan's going to lose to two playoff teams, theoretically lose to two playoff teams and beat everybody else and go to Pasadena, I mean, I think I would I would guess eighty percent of fans would have would have signed up for that. You know, and the, right. and the I agree the twenty percent who didn't uh, would have are kind of the Looney Tunes fans who are, who are calling for. <laughs> coaches heads and and you know stuff like that so yeah it's it's an interesting thing you know I guess we can shift more toward the big big picture because we we could pick apart you know the offense I thought they had a really golden opportunity on two drives in the in the first half you know if they put touchdowns up on those drives uh I think the game looks a little different and and I think did them in their their red zone inefficiency Another statistic that was that was ongoing all season, you know. So, so perhaps perhaps there were more warning signs than than fans or even even reporters really considered heading into this game. And Ohio State, uh, they to their credit, they they do lead the nation in recruiting talent. They in our team talent composite, an interesting tool to check out. I believe um, uh, of the top five teams. In this week's college football playoff rankings, depending on how Ohio State and Oklahoma stack up, but I believe that three of them are in the top four in the team talent composite. So it it certainly is a team that that's going to be different. And Michigan, Michigan will not be even next year. I don't think they will be as talented as Ohio State as far as depth and and star power. And so it's on Michigan to develop, which I think I think you have to like. I mean that offensive line. I think is a Michigan's offensive line this year is a good example that they that their development is better than it was right. before, and and you also need players to play out of their minds. Be you know John Beeline uses the phrase outliers uh, right. to 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 exceed expectations to to be somebody that that breaks out. You know, uh, you know you can go look at the games in the '90s. It'd be like every once in a while there'd be like someone who runs for 300 yards or someone who, you know, has the game of their life at, at the exact right time. And uh, it didn't didn't happen on Saturday from any position that I could tell. You know, everyone, it was it was very much just another game. Whereas Ohio State had Chris Olav who played out of his mind. The, you know, the offensive linemen played out of their minds. Uh, so on Malik, and so on. Malik, Har- Malik Harrison. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, who, I, who was horrible yes. against Maryland. And I'm not trying to be a, you know, I don't like to say that about players personally, but really, I mean, he'd probably tell you. I mean, he was horrible against Maryland and then turned around and had the best game of his career on Saturday. Yeah, so. I, I that one, I did a position-by-position position breakdown, and I mentioned Malik Harrison is, has been the uh, major focal point in a lot of Ohio State's big play issues. 
And so that didn't age well. You know, within within 48 hours, that that was like the stupidest sentence I've written all year. So. Yeah, but it was a fact. But Zach, it was a fact until that point. That's yeah. the thing, and that's where you talk. That's you know exactly what you talk about when you mention the outlier deal. Is that is that mm-hmm. you know a guy who was playing below average football all year and uh, turns it around, turns it around, and and uh, like I said, has the best game of his career. This again, I just I guess last thing I'd say is it did this game really reminded me of a lot of games that Michigan's had against Michigan state in the past where, you know, Michigan state, how many years have they played under D'Antonio and lost in games in which, you know, state, some of their players just played the best game of their entire career in Mm -hmm. that game. You know what I mean? And I, and when you, when, when that is, you couple that with just a lot of the pure talent that Ohio State has on their roster, you know, that's just uh, not good for Michigan yeah. at all. So anyway, there are little things. I, I've written a little bit about about Patterson, about the defense, about some of the stuff. So, so if you want to examine the the game, I think, I think there's plenty of opportunity for you to do so. But we do want to switch a little bit to the big picture. Uh, we didn't take questions this week. Uh, a little bit of timing, a little bit of we probably know what you're going to ask. And, and you know, it seems like this was another game that puts the state of the program, you know, the direction of the program in in crisis. And and, and I have some numbers, and, and we'll, we'll discuss it. I, I think uh, it should be noted uh, Jim Harbaugh is not on the hot seat. He's not even near the hot seat. His hot seat is made – or his seat is made of ice. You know, Michigan is, is more than happy – uh, at least for for you know the time being, I haven't I haven't heard any or seen any inclination that that shouldn't be the case. You know, again, they're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. This actually, to be honest, looks a lot like the you know like the 2004 season, and frankly, maybe even the 2006 season, where they're this top five team all year, lose to Ohio State, don't win the Big Ten. In 2004, they tied for the Big Ten. I actually don't know. If if they didn't have the Big Ten championship game, because Northwestern, Ohio State, and Michigan would have tied, I don't know who wins that tiebreaker. Uh, I don't know what the what the rationale is. It very well could have been Michigan, you know, winning the Big Ten in, in the old in the old archaic way. I don't know what the three way tiebreaker was, but anyway, uh, the the big picture is this: they are now two and eight against AP top ten teams, teams that finished the season in the top ten. They are now, uh, you know, three and eleven when they give up twenty-four points or more under Harbaugh. Remember, he's thirty-eight and thirteen overall. They are now, you know, they're zero and six against underdogs. That's always been the case, and they're now five and four when favored by a touchdown or le- or less, which is kind of nuts. You know, five and four is a favorite, right, uh, right. you know, and and then they're uh, the list goes on. There's other. You know the 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 road games against winning records, the record against teams with ten wins or more in a season. The bottom line is this: it seems like when Michigan's able to bully people, when they have the clear talent advantage, the size advantage, the speed advantage, they they dominate. They really do. They they roll past. I mean, they won how many games by double digits this year? Uh, you know, they they made Penn State, they made Wisconsin, they made Michigan State all look uh, vastly inferior. You know, obviously Wisconsin, that one didn't age well, and Michigan State technically didn't age well either. But, you know, Penn State, they might only be four spots behind Michigan in the rankings this week, and they lost 42-7, to and it wasn't even that close. 
So, right. so what I'm what I've noticed, you know, kind of pulling up those numbers, and those numbers, by the way, you can do what you want with them. This is not a, uh, you know, you're not forced to to listen to it. They are Easter egged numbers, at least a little bit, you know, because I did go in thinking, I wonder what they're like when they're playing, uh, you know, a team that they're only favored by a few points against, five and four, and so. What I notice is a team, when they're able to bully teams, they're elite. When they aren't, I don't know if it's stubbornness. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's schematic. I have theories. I don't know. But they just, they don't seem to have that survival instinct. And again, I don't know if that's, I don't know what the cause is. But it just seems like when they aren't able to bully teams out of the building, there's something that freezes up and it and it really is proving costly you know and i think a good example is uh there were very specific plays that ohio state struggled against defensively you know the the runs outside the tackles the shots down the field the cornerbacks have struggled this year tracking the football the the you know you got you get guys outside the tackles and they're they're kind of your speed guys anthony mcfarland had a bajillion rushing yards. You know, I think of uh, of Moore over at Purdue. You know, he was someone that, you know, he's he's in the receiving game, but, you know, it's the same kind of principle where it's like if you make, as you well, said, if you make the linebackers make decisions, there's there's some flaws there. Instead, they were just right. told to go downhill and fill up the A-gap, and they did. And so, so it just seems like there's almost a stubbornness with the offensive game plan in some of these games, and I think... I think you can look to past seasons as well. Again, some of those stats that we mentioned, they they've played some really good teams. And last year they were they had four losses to top fifteen teams. You know, what do you if you aren't a top fifteen team, what are you exactly are you supposed to do there? So but right. the, still the, I don't know about you. I think big picture, I don't see I don't think there's actually any coaching change Michigan needs to make. I, I don't. I don't see one that, that you know, is is would would benefit them unless there's someone like a Cliff Kingsbury knocking on the door. But again, he's going to have a bajillion options. Most most of these coaches are. I don't think there's a personnel change. I don't think they really need a total schematic change. But I think after Saturday, if I think Jim Harbaugh and Don Brown need to look in the mirror and and come to the conclusion that what this this good this good thing that they have going on isn't good enough and that there will be, you know, to beat an urban Meyer who is third in college football history and winning percentage. It needs to be, there needs to be more. There needs to be uh, more of a fearlessness, less conservative approach. And I think that's something Alabama has started doing as other teams have caught on to the kind of the arms race of resources that they have. All of a sudden they're opening up their offense. They're doing things to, you know, to exploit the the really good wide receivers. And I think uh, I don't follow them enough to know what they've done defensively, but teams like when Ohio State put up a jillion points on them the next year, I think they made adjustments. So I don't know what your thoughts are on the big picture. I don't think there's any change that needs to be made. Uh, certainly, again, some people might leave or uh, might take a better opportunity elsewhere, but I don't think there's like – it's not like last year when you're like this offensive line is unacceptable, but it's more of a what do you do to figure out how to be better in these big games? I mean, it just it, big picture wise, it depends on whether or not you believe this is like actually a process or something that can be fixed overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I 
think about the landscape of college football right now. The four best conferences in college football. I mean, you could argue between the Pac-12 and the Big 12. I'd say the Big 12 is better. But you have the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, and the Big 10. Uh, all four of those conferences have been completely dominated by one team for probably the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. When you have Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma have owned those conferences uh, every year, while basically every other program and all of those conferences are rotating through coaches, trying to find a spark or trying to, you know, get to where those schools are all the while these schools keep winning, keep accumulating higher levels of talent and widen the gap uh, between them and everybody else in the conference. I guess what maybe Georgia, the one program in any of those conferences that, uh, has consistently well you could State, say I guess, until they... yeah i was gonna say there's been moments uh you know and michigan state does have three big 10 titles so they've they've obviously right. snuck in i think i think the last five years you're absolutely right you know and like the Texas, five, 10, yeah yeah you understand there's... what i'm right with miro yeah right yep michigan's got this will be their third third time in four years that they've gotten double digit wins um yeah I, there's definitely some some adaptation that's necessary. Uh, I, there's, I mean, it'd be, you'd be remiss not to, to say that, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of the game. I think Harbaugh's obviously left himself. He's open to doing that. Um, he's open to just hiring the best guy, and that's what he did with Don Brown, who, again, I, you know, they laid an egg on Saturday. I, I don't think that this is an indictment as nearly the indictment on Don Brown that people are making it out to be uh, again. Yeah, he's not a fraud defensive coordinator. <laughs> again, like, you, I, I just go back to the defensive line. You, you, you can scheme all day, but if you don't have a defensive line that can get to the court, opposing quarterback, I don't care what you scheme, you're going to be in trouble. And uh, was it his best game? No, it was his worst game probably as a defensive coordinator at Michigan. I mean, there's no way around that. But I don't, in the big picture wise, I don't think it's a deal where he's all of a sudden inequipped to, you know, lead the defense going forward or anything like that. I think Michigan will recover. I do think, mm-hmm. though, I think looking, I think, you know, I'll say four or five years from now, I think this game will kind of be looked at as the turning point, whether good or bad. Mm. Uh, for the direction I, I really do. You know, I had to think a lot about that. Like I thought like, is this, is it really that, you know, but I, I think what, what we just get done talking about is that Ohio state eat sleeps, breathes this rivalry, even though they've completely dominated it, it showed in the effort that their players put forth, particularly on the defensive side of the football. I know they gave up 39 points, but one was basically off of a special teams and one was, we we could call it garbage time. Well, I'd say twenty uh, of the points are were in garbage in the fourth quarter when they're down twenty two. Yeah, you know, so yeah, a defense that was below average, you know, as far as a top ten team, they did not. Their defense did not look like a defense that was a top ten team. And and I know Oklahoma is another team up there that has really really bad defenses, but Ohio State was looking horrible against teams like Maryland, Nebraska, uh, you know, others on that side of football. But anyway, I do. I think this is kind of, this could be a rallying point, you know, for, for the players that are still there, you know, if this game doesn't eat at them until next November, then I don't really know 
what would uh, because the gold, the standard at Michigan is always going to be to beat Ohio state. And I know it feels like, you know, what I do, I feel for the fans, you know, not so much the like fringe, like nut jobs uh, who are the first to pat the players on the back, but then the first ones to uh, <laughs> throw them under the bus after the loss. <laughs> He'll never but, be a top 10 pick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that, like that whole segment is just, you know, maybe need to like go away for a while, but for the fans who like, you know, invest their time and effort and stuff into the, into the program and, and rooting the team on, you know, 15, was it, is it, is it 15 to last 16 now? Is that where we're at? Well, they won in 2003. So I think it's 14 of 15. Yeah. That's, I mean, I was, that's what we were talking. We were joking before the game on Saturday. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even drive legally the last time that Michigan beat Ohio State in Columbus. I mean, that's how long <laughs> it has been. I could ride since. my bike, I think, on two wheels. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. Like, and that, that, that's how. Long, I mean, that is that that feels like forever ago. And uh, so, I mean, it's hard not to feel for the fans. And so it's it's fair that they're frustrated. Uh, very fair, in my opinion, at this point. And uh, but at the same time. Like I said, there's been such a monopoly at the tops of these conferences. And, you know, you say, you know, that the ACC Clemson maybe hasn't been 10 years, but in the Big Ten it's been, you know, it's been Michigan State or Ohio State. But really, even when Michigan State was winning Big Ten championships, I think Ohio State was still going, I mean, what's their worst season they've had under Meyer? Two losses? Yeah. (laughs) They finished 12th in the AP poll. (laughs) Right. And so (laughs) – You know, and and again, that that whole time they've been accumulating just massive groups of talent Mm -hmm. every single year. Um, It's not easy to just flip the script in that regard. And uh, I'm not going to go with the whole, you know, Dabo Swinney was 0-6 or 0-5 in first years against South Carolina, which, I mean, it's again, it's a fair stat um, to to bring up when you – yeah. What's that? Well, I was going to say the the quick answer I have to that is he didn't have the credentials Harbaugh did and he didn't have Michigan no matter what even if they had been bad. They they were not where Clemson was as far as status recruiting, you know, ability to right. hire well, but good South, coaches and South stuff. South Carolina's never been in Ohio State though either. Yeah. So there wasn't there was a it was the gap I think may have been similar but just on a lower scale probably. Hmm. Um but you know, it 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 is. A, it still is a process, you know. And uh, I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there rolling their eyes when I say that, but that's that is the case. I I think. I do think the gap is still much closer than it was in 2015 when Harbaugh first took the job. I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot closer than this individual game really showed. To be honest with you, I, would I don't agree. think. You, I don't think you look at this this game. And think, oh man, the gap is wider between these two programs than it ever has been. Because I don't, I don't really buy that at all. I think uh, a few I people think, nationally have that thought, but yeah. <laughs> oh, of course they do, but that's what they do, you yeah. know. And and pissing Michigan fans off is a really easy way to generate buzz and to get Oof. people to, you know, it it is though. I mean, that's. that's I mean, I think our I mean, most read stories are talking about how <laughs> you know people nationally are saying evil or not evil thing, but like you know, like they're taking shots at Michigan fans. It's like, that's, that's what drives the, that's what people flock to. I don't know. Right. No, it is. Well, and and again, I mean, Michigan, 
Were we number one in the entire network in traffic in October? So it's you could argue it's one of the, if not the biggest, maybe most nationwide college football fan bases in the country. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of them, mm-hmm. and they're you know hungry and defensive about their program, you know. Yeah. And so that's you know that's why you go back to when somebody makes a big big picture statement like that as, as inaccurate as it is, you know, that's why they get the reaction and that's why they do it because they know it's going to get a reaction. So, um, yeah, I don't think the gap is as big between the two programs as this game would make it out to be. I just think it was a, it was just a situation where Michigan laid an egg. And, and I guess the question going forward is, is that going to be a pattern? Is this a, is there a developing pattern in that regard? And is that what fans need to worry about? with Harbaugh at head coach, or is it a deal where, you know, more time, more development, you know, and, and more, I, I don't know the intangible word, but, you know, just more to, to get closer and closer to Ohio state until they can finally consistently compete with them, you know, cause I mean, you could say this, I don't think there's any doubt right now that Michigan is by far the program in the big 10 that's best equipped to compete with Ohio State going forward. Yeah. I think Penn State, I think Penn State possibly cuz they've recruited a really a pretty solid amount of talent. I'm not sure how much I believe in James Franklin mm-hmm. uh without Saquon Barkley who was a generational talent mm-hmm. he loses McSorley too. Yeah. That exact exactly and you know McSorley who turned out to be a very very good uh college quarterback, really kind of a, a really a fun guy to watch actually. Um, you know, cause you don't know what, you know, we're never, you're never going to write off Michigan state. Cause it seems like every time they're dead out of the, they do, they just come out of the water and, and reappear again. You know, Nebraska's on their way up. I don't know what to think of Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> you know, with all they, like Wisconsin fought through a ton of injuries this year, but they lose, now they lose a bunch of guys, especially up front. Yeah. Uh, when we saw their defense you know, lost a lot of guys from last year and it was not nearly as good. Right, the cradle right. of so, linebackers is not. Yeah, that's tangent, but yeah. No, so but you know, so I think you know Michigan is the team you know best equipped to continue to tangle with Ohio State. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if next year we're in November that we're sitting here and the, the stakes are similar to the, what they were. Especially when you consider Michigan's schedule, I think is a lot more ma- navigable than it was. Yes, and let's season. let me let me break that down. So they play a couple, you know, very easy games early. They they have they still have Wisconsin. They still have they have Iowa. They have Penn State. They have Michigan State. They have Notre Dame, but they get Wisconsin off of a bye week, and it is on the road. But they get a bye week. Iowa is at home. Michigan State and Notre Dame are at home. Penn State on the road. I believe they play Illinois the week before. They also get a bye week before Michigan State. So, you know, and, and two bye weeks. I don't know if every school has that. I think so. I think that's a new thing. Well, yeah, I, think I think it's think like the way the thing. calendar fell. But yeah, it's. So anyway, they get two bye weeks. They'll have an opportunity to kind of go through. I I'm with you. I I really looking next year. And really, the next five years, I think Michigan's going to be the second best team every year, unless there's like you know your quarterback gets out in week one, unless it's one of those right. kind of seasons. You're, I think you're you're every year 
if you're a Michigan fan, you can count on probably 10 wins, New Year's sixth contention, and first or second in the Big Ten. And so I think the big no, question is, I, yeah, the big question agree. is what what is the next step? So right, and that's and that's you know I guess this is what I'd say is like there are a lot worse places to be right now if you're a diehard college football fan. I mean, think about a program like Tennessee or uh, well USC. I don't know. I can't believe they're keeping Clay Helton. We could go. <laughs> we could talk about that. We could talk about that for a half hour. That is inexplicable to me. But, um, you know, there are a lot of big-time programs that have it a lot worse off than Michigan. And that's not some kind of, hey, you should feel better about everything type deal. But, I mean, I think my point is I think Michigan is, is in a position – you know, on the bigger picture, I think you could argue Michigan's a top 10 program right now. How do they get into that top five echelon? Yep, I think that's, a, that's, that's really right there. That's really what it comes down to. You know, and being a top 10 program right now uh, is not – that's not bad. Again, when, like I said, when you consider how concentrated the college football world has been for the last five, six, seven, eight whatever years, you know, it's not, it's become clear that it's not going to be easy to crack into that, you know, that top five, top six, because a lot of the same programs have been trying for how long and nobody can do it. You know, will Texas do it under Herman? You know, they have a big opportunity against Oklahoma again on Saturday, but if they don't, then Oklahoma wins the big 12 yet again. And then the only hope there is that if Lincoln Riley has to leave, will be the only way that Oklahoma, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just this cycle of, in the ACC that, I mean, you talk about having a stranglehold on the conference. I mean, who on earth is going to compete with Clemson no, in the next five nobody. years? Nobody, you know, and Miami and at so, best. Yeah. Yeah. And even that, I mean, Miami was, you know, Seven like five, eight and yeah, four this it, year. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so, um, you know, it's not, and the SEC, obviously, until Nick Saban steps down, that's going to be and, – and even go further in the East, uh, that's going to be Georgia and everybody else. You know, I think Florida maybe, but um, has got a shot under Dan Mullen, and, and we'll, who knows what Tennessee is going to be. But, you know, that looks like Georgia and everybody else. Again, especially when you consider the level that Georgia is recruiting at, along with Alabama and Ohio State and – in those schools. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's going to be, I think that's really where Michigan's at. I think they've established themselves as a top 10 program consistently under Harbaugh. And now the question is, you know, will they, and can they crack mm-hmm. into that top five? You know, and I, I, I think they have the opportunity to, cause that's the thing. This, the one thing this staff has, I think they've done a better job of adapting than people kind of give them credit for. Uh, I, I, you know, Brown's a great defensive mind. I think, you know, I think that uh, we're already talking about next year's game, but I think that they'll be ready. Um, Yeah, at least they have a revenge tour to (laughs) go on again. (laughs) You look what they did to Penn State this year, and I know Penn State obviously not close to the same without – Saquon Barkley, but they were still a pretty very prolific offensive team coming into that game, and Michigan completely embarrassed them. And so, and I do um, wonder. I mean, I, I said this on the on the radio yesterday. It's like, does you're not this... that sold on Penn State's offense? No, no. I'm I'm very curious what 
Saturday's game would have looked like if it was in Ann Arbor. Because I think for some reason, I saw it against Wisconsin, Penn State, I think there is something something Michigan's able to do. I don't know if it's comfortability. I don't know if it's like the sight lines even. I don't know if it's like riding a little bit too much off the waves of the crowd momentum. I think there is something to get. They just get into this rhythm when they're at home. And it didn't, obviously they've lost to Ohio State twice at home. So that, I'm not saying that that would happen every year, but I feel like this year's team, I, I just wonder if like maybe they're able to convert early. Maybe they're up. 14 nothing like cuz like think about that Penn State game. It was 14 nothing at halftime, but it was a very back and forth game in my opinion. And then Wisconsin was the same same kind of deal where like you know, you could see a couple plays if they had swung the other way or or you know, if if that penalty had not happened, uh it's like a you know, maybe it's a tie tie game. And then Michigan just completely blew them out of the water because they still had that chance. So I don't know. I that's that's tangential, but like I yeah I look at it next year. I think you could you could you could make the case that Michigan would go twelve and zero. I don't think anyone will predict it, but it's not like it's not like all of a sudden Michigan's going to fall apart, you know? Because I think that was you know twenty sixteen twenty seventeen that was that kind of shook a lot of people that it fell so far, even though eight and five you could argue is not that bad. I still think they're going to be a top ten team, and I still think they're going to be a ten. 11 or more win team next season based on everything I've seen right now. That's a weird schedule is weird though. Like they get Notre Dame in October. Mm -hmm. They get state in November. Yeah. On November 16th. I mean, is that the latest they've ever played Michigan state? It has to have been the latest they've played them in years. Like I don't ever remember them playing state that late. I would have to look it up. Yeah. I don't think it's happened very much. Wisconsin and at least they get what, you know, they get Wisconsin in, in September, so it won't be like eight degrees outside, you know. Yeah, so, night game at Camp Randall, probably. So. That's the thing. Like, I they'll be the night game, you know, and that's the that's the flip side. You know, is they'll be the night game against Wisconsin. They'll be the night game at Penn State too. You guarantee it. And Penn State is another one of those teams that seems to play their best football in that raucous, yeah, you know, road atmosphere. Yeah. So well, you know, they almost they almost the, beat. Ohio, I mean, they had Ohio State on the right. ropes. So right. Well, who didn't until Saturday, right? Yeah. That's kind of really weird. <laughs> Again, it's still inexplicable to me in a lot of ways. But so, um, big picture, it's yeah. not. I don't think it's this dire thing. I don't know if people would have asked questions about Harbaugh hot seat. I I tend to think most people are on the same page where it's like, not. It's not like the program's falling apart. It's not like they're they're suddenly that was like their one chance in ten years, and uh, they'll be nine and three for a decade straight. At least I, I don't I don't get that inclination, but it is one of those things. I, I think they are going to look hard in the mirror, and I think it is going to be one of those things that clearly, clearly, what a good, good is not good enough in that in in against Ohio State, and and obviously from the reaction on our message board, from the reaction on on Twitter and every everywhere else, uh, ten and two with losses with a loss to Ohio State and sitting on the outside looking in on the Big Ten title game. Is not good enough for the fans. So, curious to see what what changes there are. Do they open up the offense? Do they just say, you know, let's let's change this philosophy slightly? Do they change? I again, you know, don't think the defense should be changed, but clearly Ohio State has that figured out, and it's not it's not just because the defensive line didn't show up. I mean, I think that's a huge factor because it all it all works in concert. 
you need every position group to do their do their stuff right. But I don't know. Curious to see. But we might actually get a glimpse to change gears in in January. We mentioned uh, New Year's Six Bowl looks like almost. I'd say with 99% certainty that they'll be in a New Year's Six Bowl. I think there is a scenario where they can drop down to the Citrus Bowl, but I, I don't think that's worth really discussing because it would require them to really fall out of favor in the, in the playoff committee. Um, and so so probably probably either the Rose Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, depending on where Ohio State goes. I, I did an article talking about the possibilities uh, history shows us that this playoff committee, since they've started picking the bowls, they tend to like to do uh, one or two big brand versus big brand ones, and then they tend to like to do maybe they have like a like I think like Auburn and Wisconsin have gotten stuck with the with the group of five school in the past couple of years. I'm trying to think who it was before that, but it's it's almost like it's almost like the um, they like try to like almost siphon the smaller brand at large team against the power or the group of five team, and so if if Ohio State makes the playoff, Michigan's I believe they're automatically in the Rose Bowl because they'd be the highest ranked Big Ten team. And then if Ohio State doesn't make the playoff, they're in the Rose Bowl, and I think Michigan would end up in the Fiesta Bowl because the Sugar Bowl Over is reserved. Florida. Again, I'm sorry. Over Florida. Yeah, I would think so. I. I yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. I'm just thinking. I'm I'm just actually looking at pro- some projections right now, and that okay. seems to be a lot of Michigan, Washington. Yeah. I, I, well, Michigan, Washington take, could though? be the Rose Bowl. Right. That's what. That's the projection. Yeah. Who do you take? Do you take Ohio State or you take Oklahoma? In the in the playoff, I think it depends on this weekend. I think if do you think if yeah, I think if Ohio State w- wins by twenty nine or you know twenty one or whatever, I think if they win by at least twenty. I think you do you do say Ohio State because I just Oklahoma, you know, I know I know our national writer Chris Hummer, he's he obviously has Big Twelve roots. He's been fighting this uh everyone hates on the big seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he he's been fighting this everyone hates on the Big Twelve too much because they don't play defense. He's been fighting that for a while, but at the same time, Oklahoma almost lost I mean, they their almost losses are as much as Ohio State's are. Almost lost to Army. Army's barely in the rankings. They almost lost to, uh, if you could pull up the schedule and help me out, they almost lost to Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State is is not very good. They're they're worse than Maryland this year. They beat, yeah, they squeaked by Army. Mm-hmm. They squeaked by Texas Tech. They squeaked by Oklahoma State. Yeah. Really, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they only beat Kansas by 15, which should be, I would call that a squeak because it's Kansas. Um, and it's Kansas like worse yeah. than Maryland, worse than Nebraska. Well, technically, um, Maryland might have a win over the Big Twelve champion, right? Like you know, right. it's it's right, and, and they have they have a transitive property win over Oklahoma. So, so I'm in that boat where I I do want to see how it looks this weekend because I think Oklahoma blowing out Texas is much might might put Oklahoma over the edge. In, in my opinion, they have a bigger oppor- they have a bigger opportunity because Texas is better than Northwestern. Yeah. So if they blow Texas out of the water, you know, and that's, <laughs> I, you know, and they could. I don't necessarily think they will, but they could, you know. And that's, I just, you know, our our twenty four seven our national group they they really love Oklahoma. They love the Big Twelve, um, for whatever reason. And uh, 
Well, a lot so, of them were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they are. There's some, yeah, there are a lot of Texas and, and, uh, well, Texas, there are a lot of Texas guys in our national group. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I know like, you know, you'd see what Ohio state did to Michigan's defense and the natural is like, Oh, well, you know, everyone's big 12, no defense. But I mean, you watched, I watched Oklahoma, West Virginia, and, and the level of, quote, no defense was totally different than yeah, what it was with Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, yeah. you had Oklahoma just splitting four wide and having two, one guy on each side run a go route, and one of them was open by about 30 yards every single time that they dropped. Like, if Kyler Murray had more than half a second to throw, uh, there was somebody wide, wide open. I mean, it was just... I, it was bizarre to watch, you know, I don't, you know, that's the thing is like they, there's this uh, effort to equate it to what like Kansas city and the Rams are doing in the NFL. And it's like, no, like, it, yeah. it's like <laughs> just watch these games and compare them side by side. Not even close. It's totally different. Yeah. You know, so, so um, it does depend. I, I think there's a non-zero chance. Texas beats Oklahoma. Whereas no, I think I, they definitely I, could. Yeah, whereas I really don't see that happening with Ohio State Northwestern. I just no, I don't. I don't see it. And, and so, so anyway, depends on how that goes. Uh, but I, I do think Michigan is probably Rose or Fiesta. And again, that's not rooted in fact. The playoff committee has not come out and said the um, the Peach Bowl, which is on the same day as the playoff games. By the way, they've not come out and said the Peach Bowl is going to be the uh, smaller market. You know, group uh, New Year's Six teams and the Fiesta Bowl is going to be, uh, you know, big headlining game. But that's just my hypothesis based on what we've seen. Uh, so as far as who they're playing, I think it's going to end up being, uh, I mean, obviously Rose Bowl would be Pac-12 champion. I think it could be a Washington State. I you think I really don't think the committee is going to do a third Florida game. I mean, maybe, maybe they do. I just think they would look at that and say, eh, probably not. And then, obviously, Georgia would theoretically be wrapped up in the Sugar Bowl if this hypothetical goes as expected, uh, as would Oklahoma if this were, were to go as expected, or I guess or Texas would be. So, uh, pretty good chance. I mean, again, you know, this, this, might, this might close up our conversation. You know, what, what do you – we talked a little picture about the game, big picture about what, what's the, the state of the program. But the next month – you know, I I think a win really could do a lot for Michigan in the bowl. I think this is one where they do have to take it. Obviously, they take all games seriously, yada yada. But like, I think they should treat this as a opportunity to make a statement to to the country. Because if you go toe to toe with like, let's say, an Oklahoma or a Washington, well, Washington State maybe not as big of a market, but a Florida or Washington. you know or LSU or something something like that. I'm not sure who's been projected to go up against, but every know. almost almost every I I just clicked on five different bowl projections, four of them have Michigan and Washington in the Rose Bowl. Okay. So that obviously those people so, believe Ohio State's going to make the playoff. So right. Right. by the way, quick tangent, if Ohio State wins the Big 10 and they win by a lot and they still don't make the playoff, I really think the Big 10 might scrap the the format that they have. I, they've got to. I mean, there's just no way they can sit there and say this system is working. But I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. Anyway, because a, a Michigan, a Michigan Ohio State rematch, mm-hmm. which is what would have happened if if they scrapped the divisions and scrapped the Big Ten title game. Correct. Yep. 
And it's um, what would have happened. I don't know if it statistically would have happened, but if you did like the highest ranked Big Ten teams, I mean, two of the last three years, it would have been Michigan, Ohio State. Right. You have to go by record. I mean, each of them would only had one loss. I think the closest team in the conference has three losses. Well, right? I would say Northwestern, Northwestern only had one loss as well. Yeah, but like again, if you stra- yeah. scrap the divisions, you play them like kind of almost random schedules. Maybe you get two or three protected games. You know, then then it's who knows. I think the records would have solved themselves. I right, you know, no, yeah. I, yeah. Then then both of these teams, which I, you know, I think Michigan would probably still be on the outside looking in, even if they were to rebound and win on if in this theoretical scenario. Uh, but I agree that it would give. It'd give the conference a better chance if, like you said, if, if Oklahoma was to somehow jump Ohio State, even if Ohio State wins on Saturday. Well, because so. what you would see is you would see a team that avenged a loss. I, yeah, I, you know, it's... Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So anyway, um, I kind of forgot. Oh, as far as this bowl game, you know, we've already seen Rashawn Gary announce he was going pro. I really don't think he would have announced he's going pro only to continue practice, you know, because I, I think I think he is in a situation where a surgery could help him on his shoulder. I, you know, people have been asking. He didn't say if he was going to play in the bowl game, and perhaps he still will. My hunch is that he won't. Uh, you know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Until the NFL says, oh, we would prefer uh, players play in the bowl game and we're not going to draft you as highly, because I still think Leonard Fournette getting picked fifth overall you know, not not getting himself injured because he played in some meaningless bowl game, or until teams are able to say, "Hey, we will pay you to play in this bowl game." I think until one of those things happen, you're going to keep seeing this, and I think it's totally okay. You know, it's it's obviously you know up to each individual player. Some do, some don't. Some regret it, some don't. But I I wouldn't be surprised if Rashawn Gary doesn't play. I'm curious to see about the other players. You know, Devin Bush is. Also projected looking more and more like a top 10 pick, at least top 20. So I would anticipate him leaving. I know you have you are under the belief David Long and, and Lavert Hill uh, are pretty high likelihood to depart early. You know, they might be someone that they might be people that do kind of wait a second. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, obviously Zach Gentry, Ben Bredesen, Shea Patterson are also at risk of leaving. So what do you if you're the coaches? Because you had a good season, you're a very good team. You're still top ten. You know, it's not like last year when it was like, well, whatever happens, the Outback Bowl doesn't really matter. But you're in this situation where where there is a perception battle brewing. No matter who you play, it's going to be a, you know, oh, who's who's coach is better or what what team has more men, more, more momentum going into next year. I guess how do you how do you approach this bowl game knowing that you might have an exodus of players departing early, knowing that. Uh, you know, they're eleven and two looks a lot better than ten and three. You know, you can enter next season as a top ten, you know, team and a playoff contender. I don't know what what is your approach heading into this bowl game, perhaps compared to previous uh, previous bowl games. I, that's the thing. Like, I don't. I, it depends on what truly is better for the future of the program, right? As far as like, is it is it better? to push a few of these guys to maybe play one more game because, you know, a win helps perception more, or is it better for those guys to take a back seat and give a substantially larger amount of reps to younger players who are going to be the nucleus 
of their respective units next year, you know, and that's where it's just such a hard like battle. I don't think the coaches are ever going to like try to push or force one of their guys to play, you know? So if like a, say like a Hill Mm -hmm. uh, decides he wants to go, I don't think the staff is going to try to strong arm him into playing the game. Right. Regardless, I think my suspicion and again, you got here's the other here's kind of the wild card in it too, actually, which is a benefit to the programs. There's now that early signing period, so recruiting wise, depending on what big fish are maybe left for you on the board, you know, because I think a lot more kids are signing earlier and earlier. The bowl games become relatively meaningless on the recruiting trail as well if you have like, you know, three quarters of your class locked up already, you know, you don't have to worry too much about as far as like, well, we have to win this game for recruiting, you know, for that perception on the recruiting trail, you know, 11 and two looks a lot better than 10 and three or something like that. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm personally, and I think there's an art I think there's a legit argument each way. I'm definitely more of the, I think whatever, makes the team better heading into next year is much more valuable than, um, you know, going out and trying to win, you know, they're already going to be without Gary, mm-hmm. you know, who I'd be, he's not going to play like, there's no way. Yeah. So, um, and he shouldn't, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, so they're already going to be down one of their best players. And, uh, you know, that's like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I just think like we were talking about before the show, like those, those 15 practices and then getting a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, 50 snaps instead of if he have gotten 15, if Gary had played, right. You know, I don't know. I mean, are those, I think those 35 snaps on a, at a bit on a big stage in a big game, you know, a big game perception wise uh, from national standpoint is maybe more valuable for a kid like that heading into next year than, well, you know, Gary should play because, Michigan might have a better chance to win. You know, I don't know. That's where I'm at on that. I, I again think there's a legit argument on each side, but I'm I err much more towards bowl games being much more valuable in regards to next year's team than it is trying to win a relatively meaningless game. Sure. I think I would argue this is one where you want to take it really seriously because this is a I think I think you know the Michigan Ohio State game the way it unfolded I think it was really shell shocking for a lot of fans and I think it opened up I guess everything everything's in question once again you know we talked about you know every time Michigan beats a team in a big game it turns those narratives into more contrived but every time they lose it gives them some val- validity you know we I've, I laid out the numbers earlier in the podcast I think winning coming out and looking really really good and winning could go a long way for Michigan. I know the team doesn't focus on appeasing the fans because the fans are always going to fill up Michigan Stadium. They're always going to buy tickets. They're always going to get excited and talk themselves into title contention. But I do wonder if there is something to be said for, again, I don't think you know anyone who doesn't want to be there shouldn't be there. But as far as maybe like, like a Shea Patterson, you know, like, or, or I'm sorry, not Shea Patterson. That's not a bit, not not a good example. But like, say, like at safety, do you play Tyree Kennel or do you play Jalen Kelly Powell? 
I think you play Tyree Kittle because you know, assuming he wants to, because it's a. I think there's a a good amount of importance in not ending the season with consecutive losses for the third year in a row. I think there's there's something to be said for getting to that 11th win, being in that top. I mean, you know, if they if they do well in the New Year's Six game, they could have their first top five finish to a season since 1999. That'd probably be a streak they want to get sure. off their back. So, sure. you know, I Except think... The coaches want to get off their back, though. The, 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 the yeah. departing players might not... Not saying they don't care, but they these some of these guys, like, have to keep their... And again, I, you know, I know, like, I'm well aware that, like, situations like what happened with Jake Butt are the minority. Like, that's that's the exception. But I think it's worth noting. I mean, it's not... It's, 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 in some cases, that's too much to risk. But Agreed. And yeah. that's, that's what I'm saying, where it's like the staff may feel like, hey, we could finish top five for the first time, you know, while a Rashawn Gary or a Devin Bush is thinking, you know, you know, if I twist up my knee, I'm probably going to cost myself millions of dollars. And mm-hmm. that's not I've I've put in, you know, I've put in my time for three, three years, done everything I can to help you know, build this program, bring it to where it is or whatever. And, and, you know, I, I just, it's better. I now have an opportunity to have full control over my future mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to take advantage of it. And I, I just, you know, so I don't disagree that winning the game can be a big deal from per- perception wise, but from the standpoint of the player, it's like, I don't think it's a situation where you can force. No, no, they should not force. I mean, I, I kind of prefaced my whole, argument with that is that Michigan is not a program that forces players to play. Uh, I think I think Jim has made taken pride in that. I think he's even pointed it out a couple times this year. Like, we're never going to tell a player he can play when he doesn't want to. Or, or I think he, right. you know, he mentioned a couple players who switch positions. He's like, no, you know, we, we don't tell the players where they play. We tell them where we think they can see the field, but we're not going to say you have to play this position. So How about this? How about this? How about it, de- it depends on what the roster looks like when they the two teams in the bowl game kick off. Whereas, like, so take it this way, like, say, okay, say Gary, Bush, Long, and Hill, let's just theoretically say that all four of those guys declare. Mm-hmm. And once they, de- once they declare, I don't think there should be any, like, it should not be held against them if they decide they don't want to play in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you think that, per, like, uh, like goal, the goal or the perceived goal. I mean, it's always going to be to win, but you know, I think there's some wiggle room there to, to shift it a little bit where it's like how, like say, yeah, they win their top five team, but they would be playing. Their roster would not be nearly what it is. So how can it be held against them? Then if they go out and lose that game, let's say, right. Well, and they say even they said last field. year's game, they they went out and said like, this game's for our future. You know, this is for the, right players coming back and I think we saw Mo Hurst didn't get that many snaps and we saw right. uh, I'm trying to think what other player didn't get that many I I it's escaping me now like Pat Kugler I think he might have been hurt but you know he didn't play very much he was taken out so I don't know keep going no I'm just saying like I just think the perception or or the or what what fans and what people should be looking for out of the bowl game should fully depend on where their roster sits as when the game is, uh, when the game is there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's just cause like I said, if, if those, like if those four guys were to leave and not play, and let's just say they play Washington in the Rose bowl, and let's just say they lose by a field goal is all of a sudden is that this colossal failure 
that they went 10 and three, even though four of their best players decided to sit out in favor of, you know, preserving their future. Yeah, I, I don't true. think so. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I just, it's going to have to, to me, how they approach, well, not how they approach, because they're going to take whoever's ready to play and they're going to play them and they're going to do whatever they can to try to win the football game. Like, that's not going to change. But just from a big picture standpoint, um, the plus side to them winning is obvious, but like at the same time, again, if they're sh- as shorthanded as they may be, particularly defensively, and they are losing like a lose a game, I just don't think it's the you know horrible awful thing that you know. And, and this is all for nothing because if that's what happens and they do lose, people are going to lose their mind anyway. So what difference does it even make? You know, nobody, most not most, a uh, large group do not have any. Uh, no context, no, you know, nobody really looks at the, the actual what's actually going on. It's they lost, they suck, this is the same old, you know, there's <laughs> just way more to it than that. So, I don't know. Yep. Okay. So, obviously, next week we'll know who they play and where they play. We will also be able to talk a lot more basketball next week. Big week for the, for the Wolverines on the court. North Carolina on Wednesday, Purdue on Saturday again. I'm I'm ready to talk basketball, but but we do we do need to address football. That that was obviously a huge game for Michigan football, and probably not in the way most of our listeners wanted it to be a huge game. But regardless, a big week for Michigan basketball. Je- check out themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com for all coverage on that, all coverage on football, all coverage on recruiting. Uh, you know we're gearing up. Uh, should be another another exciting month over at, at our site so check it out michiganinsider.com 247sports.com slash michigan for steve lorenz on the phones i'm zach shaw this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast hope you had fun hope you learned something and we'll see you next week